Hereditary is brought to you by Crummyzomes. Have you ever been suspicious about one of the lieutenants of hell being a distant relation? Maybe you would like to know if you are prone to cancer, heart disease, or cult-like rituals. Now we can let you know for sure with Crummyzomes, the genome auditing service that allows us to find out more about your dark lineage. One small mouth swab today may mean avoiding losing your head in the future. Visit crummyzomes.com today and be on your way to a brighter tomorrow. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, the horror movie podcast where two schlubby guys talk about spoopy movies with your hosts Bryce Hansen, the cool collected nihilist, and David Day, an angry man who is always right. This podcast is for lovers of horror movies, old and new, that want to hear about what's in theaters, what's streaming, and fresh takes on old classics, and terrible horror movies that are bad enough to be good. I'm David Day. And I'm Bryce Hansen. And today we are reviewing Hereditary, which I am so excited to be doing. But first, um, a few plugs for us. Um, check us out at our website, horrormovietalk.com. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, <laughs> we post every other Wednesday. We're now moving to, or I should say we've moved to a weekly format. Um, expect us on Wednesday. And subscribe and leave a review uh, of the podcast on iTunes. And, uh, you know, let us know what you think about about the podcast. Today, we will be talking about Hereditary. I'm so excited. I don't know if I said that before. Um, I should say, before I get too far into this, if you haven't seen Hereditary, pause the episode and watch Hereditary. Absolutely. Don't learn any more. Go. Yeah. And actually, I mean, I would say don't watch the trailer, but I don't think the trailer... (laughs) helps you understand what kind of movie this is at all don't learn anything avoid everything except for the movie itself yeah because man what a what a ride um so we'll start out uh today by giving an overview of of our review and our score for the movie uh we score on a scale of one to ten one being horrible 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 very bad not worth your time at all don't see a one not five. even enjoyable to make fun of. Right. Just bad. Just straight bad. Five being average. Straight up average. Nothing terrible or spectacular about it. Uh, a recent five for us was The Meg. Um, or pretty close to a five was The Meg. And a ten being a spectacular pinnacle achievement movie movie that transcends the the horror movie genre and is probably going to be up for some awards or at least talked about um because it's just a spectacular movie so that's how our uh, so and examples of that one example of that would be hereditary a 10 a true hard 10 the witch is another uh, recent one things like the exorcist you know horror movie staples movie staples psycho that kind of stuff right um later we will be uh we'll be touching on uh, after we give some spoilers uh we'll be doing a you know a spoiler section where we go over the whole movie give our review of the movie um and after that we'll be doing uh some bits taglines uh, I don't think we have Bryce called it for this episode. Instead, we have a uh, a bit where we watched the movie with Bryce's wife, who is averse 
to horror movies in the extreme. Somehow, we managed to talk her into watching the best and worst horror movie for someone who is who is a, who does not like horror movies at all. We we got her to watch it with us, and so uh, I sit down with her. I sat yeah. down with her and, and talked. It's a one-on-one interview with, with my wife because we only have two microphones and we recorded it already. Cause yeah, but you're sitting she in the background making little yeah. quips and crap. So it's, she, wasn't, she wasn't having to watch the kids, so we had to get what we, what we could at the time. Yeah, but so you get to, you get to, you get to experience um, what it's like for someone. I, I, I find it very interesting that people's reaction, people who don't like horror movie movies are adamant about not liking horror movies. Right. It is a polarizing issue for them. Anyway, I, I find that very mm-hmm. interesting. I, I like getting to watch it with her because it kind of helped me see it through new yeah. eyes. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's pretty much all, all the segments that we're going to be doing this show. So, uh, so thanks for, thanks again for listening and let's get into the show. Um, so we went and saw hereditary, uh, in movie theaters and it, and it blew us away. Um, in fact, it was it was part of the inspiration that that kind of got us off our asses and got us moving on this podcast. I'd say. Yeah, I think we we saw. It. I dragged David and my friend Kevin to Hereditary. They didn't know anything about the movie. I just saw a review of it uh, from Red Letter Media, and I really trust their opinion. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be a good movie. I'll drag David and Kevin to it. And then we, after the movie, we spent like two hours or something like that just talking about it. Yeah. And this was the late showing. We went to like the 930 showing or something yeah. like that. And we sat through, you know, a two hour long movie. And then we talked about it for two hours after that. And and I had never, by the way, I had never met Kevin before. This was the first time we had met. And, yeah. we, and we were both so swept away by this movie that, you know. It was it was a great way to get to know somebody, right? I'll say that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, when I was trying to come up with ideas for a podcast, I thought like, well, dang, we talked a lot of just about Hereditary. Yeah, we could do a podcast about horror movies. Yeah, yeah. It gave me so much energy because because after watching Hereditary, um, I was just constantly this niggling feeling like this it just kept coming back up in my mind like what an experience that was yeah like and it's what you go to movies for yes it this is the rare uh, occurrence i mean it happened with a quiet place for me but not for the same reason not because the movie was just out and out spectacular don't get me wrong quiet place is a fine movie good but the experience of watching it with a room full of silent people was it was eerie it was so quiet and hereditary was even more incredible to watch it was just uh right yeah all right well here's the trailer yeah come on peter it's your suit It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. It's grandma. 
You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you. She was a very difficult woman, which maybe explains me. I recognize you from your mother. What? Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. She isn't gone. She had private rituals, private friends. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die. She wasn't altogether there. At the end. stress on my family. I like it. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad that I didn't see the trailer for this before I saw the movie. I, uh, let me, let me, let me, let me bring the audience to, up to speed on what I thought about this movie, like before going into it. I had heard the title, like I had, and and I had heard that it was extremely polarizing for audiences. And there was a scene within the movie that was that was so upsetting that people walked out at in the half hour mark or so. And uh, and to me, that's a red flag on a movie. I don't I don't want to see I don't want to see something that will stick with me in a bad way, just just because gore porn style like it's not my deal i don't want to see extremely upsetting things but man am i glad i did so i thought this was like a drama that had an unfortunate incident within it and that's not entirely wrong (laughs) it is this movie is primarily a drama which is what makes it so effective at being a great great horror movie so i went into this (laughs) very very virgin Right. And it's one of those movies that, I mean, like I said, I think you could see the trailer and that's not going to be a problem. I think uh, it doesn't give away anything at all about what the actual experience of the movie is. Yeah. And I can't, I mean, they're watching the movie and then watching the trailer after I'm like, oh yeah, wow. I did not, I did not remember any of that stuff in the trailer or expecting any of that to happen. It was still shocking when, when certain things happen um, towards the end of the movie. Uh, so Hereditary can be found streaming on most streaming platforms uh, or on Blu-ray or DVD now. It's crazy how fast they come up, come out with movies now. Like, yeah. I, I was thinking about this. Like, you remember when we were kids, you'd have to wait nine months a year before a movie would come to video. And, oh, it was agonizing. And now it's like... Yeah, even blockbusters. Yeah. It and, used to be... And that, it made sense because they had to build a... a they had to build stock right they had to produce a physical copy over and over again of the movie right the other thing i think is when they released it internationally they did it over time they Mm -hmm. would release in the u.s and see 
okay, it's making it's doing pretty good in the U.S. What other markets would this work in? Yeah, and then they start releasing it there, and like, okay, so people like this, and then they'll release it somewhere else. Now it's like we need domestic box office and China box office right now. Yeah, because we need to look great in the press so we can get more investors for the next one or something. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like all the international stuff happens immediately. And right. so the theater run happens. It's short because I don't think a lot of people go to the theater anymore. And if they do, it's in the within the first week or two. And so as we shorter runs and then they release it easily through streaming. Yeah. And it's all digital. digital. Yeah. And, and as, as we record this, it is very early to September. I should say September. And I think we saw this in theaters probably the end of June. Yeah. Maybe early July. And it came out streaming, I want to say last week. So between. No, it, it must was have been, maybe, it it must was, have been before June because I think I still had a job. <laughs> no, no, I don't think you did. Didn't I? All right. It's been so long. It might have been. I can't. I can't really recall. It, you, the, the news had been broken that you were losing your job for sure. Right. It yeah. was in June. Anyway, looking at maybe a month or so max that people didn't get to watch this in theaters or on streaming, that this was gone from the earth for for people's viewing pleasure. Yeah. And in any event, uh, Hereditary. This story is centered around Annie, who's played by Tony Collette, her husband Steve, who's played by Gabriel Byrne. Um, their son, Peter, who um, is played by Alex Wolf, and their daughter, Charlie, uh, who's played by Millie Shapiro. Uh, it starts out following the death of Annie's mother, who, as it turns out, was an awful person and was very controlling of her family and uh, and just just a, a memory that they were all very happy to kind of or relieved to move on from uh, once she had died. Um in this movie, Tony Collette is this is her tour de force role. This is she is just does so well in this movie. It's what everybody says walking away from this movie because it's it's true. I mean, can you think of anything that I mean she's she's a great actress. Yeah, she's fantastic in almost anything that I see her in. But this was it was so visceral. It right. it really allowed it the role was so suited right to a, a a life like a perfect role. yeah it's one of those there are moments on the screen where she is so raw in her performance that it feels real it feels real and it feels voyeuristic to even watch it yeah you sit there and you laugh nervously not because not because it's funny but because it's it's like you're it's like you're doing something naughty like you shouldn't be here experiencing this person's profound sorrow right right it, like i can't imagine the place that she went to to give that performance yeah it's i mean you know Heath ledger and the joker you know he'll always be remembered for that because it was so dark and he went to such a weird place for it this is the same the same kind of thing she'll in my mind she will just be remembered for this. I mean, it's great. 
she does a really good job and her acting is so impressive and her emotions are so so raw that you really just can't help but empathize empathize with her even when she's like clearly circling the drain of sanity right <laughs> even when when she is obviously going insane and rightfully so you're like i get it yeah. i'm right there with you lady and she's not even the most likable character oh no i mean there she's there's definitely stuff that where they're just glossing over like <laughs> um can we stop and talk about that for a second? Yeah. Because the characters, like, let's. They just. Anyways, we'll get into that let's more get into, into the spoilers. Let's get into spoilers now. We're going to play our spoilers thing so that if you want to watch this movie, watch it before you listen to these these spoilers because it's it's a great movie. Right. And I think we've covered that this is a 10 out of 10 for us. Yeah, for sure. This is a 10. Spoilers. Yay. Yay. So, um, Tony Collette killed it. Yeah. Gabriel Byrne killed it. Alex Wolf, M- Millie Shapiro, all four of the main characters in this movie did amazing jobs. Right. The only. <laughs> The only thing I can find fault with is I think Gabriel Byrne tries to do an American accent and just he's so Irish that he can't help it bleeding through sometimes. I I never notice that stuff. People yeah. people notice that and I I I don't ha- I never have a problem understanding people well, yeah, speaking. It's not, it's not like a problem understanding. No, but. it's not a problem understanding. I'm just giving you a, 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 a where I come from. Like when people say, "Oh, I can't understand that guy's Scottish accent. I I can't relate to it. I don't right. know what you're talking about. I understood him perfectly." Right. Yeah, I think I, I agree. Every single person cast in this movie was perfectly cast. Yeah. I don't think there could be anyone better. Everyone did a great job. Even, yeah, Millie Shapiro, the daughter, is... Her performance is integral to the success of this movie, and it was... Flawless. Flawless. It was great. To the point of, you're just wondering, did they they just find an actress that there's just something kind of wrong with? Yeah. If she feels she's... She's so the character uh, of. Uh, Do you think I'm retarded? <laughs> no. Uh, so Millie's character is Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least, I mean, definitely what you would say uh, on the spectrum, right? I mean, there's something not obviously not right, right with. Or just an extreme amount of social anxiety and social awkwardness. No, no. And I'm going to argue with you on this point. And I've thought about it because I brought this up to you and Aaron. Mm -hmm. And you guys gave me the weirdest look for being like, "This, there's something wrong with her. And you're both like, well, I mean, maybe she's got some social anxiety or something like that. But there's nothing wrong with her. No. I'm going to say no because... And the proof of it is her lying in bed talking to Tony Collette, and Tony Collette's like, "What's the matter, sweetie? Are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm just worried about, you know, like what's going to happen to me? Like who's who's going to take care of me? Because her her grandmother had just died, right? And Tony Collette's like, "What are you What are you talking about? I'm going to take care of you." 
And she's like, no, what's, who's going to take care of me when you die? And that, that is a strong implication right there of, of she's dependent on, she is, she knows she's going to be dependent on her mother well into her adulthood. And that is a problem for her. She's not, she's not having that. No, I disagree. I don't think, I don't think the character as they wrote it is supposed to be mentally retarded. I think she was expressing just yeah concern about i mean it's it's creepy in the moment because that's not a normal thing for a kid to worry nothing about nothing about what this like, girl does is normal in any way shape or form right. and to well, suggest uh, that she's a normal girl is just absolutely incorrect no, she's I've, she's cutting the heads off of pigeons and making dolls out of them and like wa- watching you know she's it's just everything she does is well, off. No, I mean, there's there's kids that are really strange and awkward that don't necessarily turn into serial killers, but are in their own little world, in their own imagination, and are completely awkward socially. I mean, I can I can see in reality someone like this girl. I guess I don't know what we're arguing about exactly, because you just got done describing someone who is very off. And that's that's what I'm saying. This girl is off. Oh, well, yeah, she's definitely off. I don't know what There's, exactly, but she's not. That that boy ain't right kind of right. thing, you know? But she's also like a young girl. I mean, there's lots of weird stuff that happens when, when you're young before you have any responsibilities and before you actually have to enter into the world. <laughs> I mean... I can can think of people that make just weird drawings and act super weird in in high school and and that now are, I mean, they have jobs. They got to act normal enough not to creep every single person they meet out. I got to try pretty hard not to. (laughs) So maybe maybe you got a point. I don't I don't know. I still feel pretty strongly about I'd be interested to hear what everyone else thinks about. I know this is a, a, a touchy subject, but I mean, within the confines of this movie, I think it's. Uh, it's very interesting no matter yeah. no matter how you slice it this girl is doing weird shit yeah. she is clearly not not behaving normally oh yeah absolutely i mean and that's part of the story i mean that's that's the that's the thing is that you're wondering all right is this girl just off because she's even, got some problems yeah. or and then it's kind of explained oh no it's because you know they're uh she's made they're grooming her <laughs> to be the vessel of a demon right like okay well that that explains and it. she's made to be <laughs> she's made to look off even like right. in the makeup department she's given these big bags under her eyes you know she just frazzled all the time don't get me wrong there's plenty of kids in early high school that fit that description but right but you know uh she's definitely you, you get a feel there th- so she's fabulous. The brother is fabulous. The dad is fabulous. Tony Collette is fabulous. Um, and and it's everything is great about this movie. Yeah, the writing. You don't even realize it. The directing. Yeah. The visuals. The theme. The storytelling. The storytelling. Yeah, it's all the dread. Oh man! <laughs> I mean, just exquisite in in the way they they ramp up the. Uh, the dread yeah so uh, why don't we give like a quick uh overview of the plot so it starts out um 
with the grandmother dying and they're at a funeral they're at a funeral Perfect. and like in the trailer tony collette's like i'm surprised so many people are here i didn't she seemed really private and she'd probably be kind of paranoid about people being here yeah and she's hard to understand and so it's kind of set up to where this grandma has secrets and something's probably going on and then um they set up the the daughter is weird it's mm-hmm. all get out she's like drawing creepy pictures and she has everyone she has a food allergy to nuts yeah she has a food allergy to nuts which which is executed so well in this movie because you don't even think about it yeah. Like normally these kind of things that, that are like, this is a plot point for later in the movie. She's allergic. Note. Right. But, and normally they stand out, but I didn't even barely notice it. It was mm. just a funny thing that happened dur- during the funeral. No, it was, yeah, it was, uh, I are mean, there yeah, nuts in that? Like, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was also, it, it was, I mean, to me it was, okay, I got to remember that, but it was done well. Yeah. It, was, it was just something that would normally happen. Yeah, it was. It's it was not a, like it felt like a throwaway line to me. Yeah, are there nuts in that when she's eating a cookie or something? And as opposed to you know being at dinner or something, being a critical. Hey, did you remember to leave out the nuts from this dish because our daughter is allergic to nuts? Did you remember that? Those sharks have no fins. <laughs> if you're familiar with the Meg, <laughs> he's already been proving himself aggressive towards boats. <laughs> what a ridiculous line! Yeah. So they uh, set up the girls weird, um, normal household. She's dealing with grief. Uh, Tony Collette's character is an artist that builds miniatures, and she's getting ready for a show. And then... Um, we don't know what the father does, but he is a very, like, leave-it-to-beaver dad. Yeah. You know, who is, like, who will sit down with a with with a snifter of, of scotch or whatever and read a book. Right. With a pipe. Right. And, um, so have- yeah, there's the, uh, the, even early on, there's indication that stuff is not comfortable or right around this family. And you're kind of wondering whether it's because of the grandma. Did, did she bring in a weird energy into the life or is there other stuff going on? Is there other, which is all very, drama? right. Which is all very odd because it's all outward appearances. This is a normal family, two right. kids, pa- two parents that are stable. They're not. They're not having, you know, marital issues, and they have a nice house in either Colorado or Utah, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, There's Utah plates on Utah, that's right. We we did, we determined it was Utah, but <clears throat> just just a normal family yeah. looking, but f- with an undercurrent of... I mean, it was, it was Hollywood Utah, because if it was real Utah, they'd be Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awfully presumptuous. Only people who live in Utah are Mormon. Only most of them. Well, you would know. I would know. Um, so then what happens? Tragedy strikes. Brother takes brother goes to a, a school party and is forced to bring his sister along. And not a school party, a, a banger, you yeah, know, a, a house banger. party, yeah. a house party. Uh, shocker. She eats some nuts. Tony Collette makes him take yeah. her to the party because she, she wants her to experience normal fun time. Yeah. So she eats nuts and emergency, she, her throat's shutting up from the nuts, allergic reaction. Anaphylactic shock. And brother rushes her towards the hospital. He's high from being at the party and smoking with a girl that he liked. Right. 
And then you describe what happens, David. So, so he's driving her to the hospital. She's this scene is incredibly tense, and she and it's the scene that is is the polarized the movie. I think it happens early in the movie. They're in the car. He's driving down a, a, a basically a deserted road at night, and she's gasping for air, choking. She can't. It's very obvious that she is having difficulty breathing at all. Like it's 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 getting. You're in your seat. You're you're you know you got your hands on both on yeah. on yeah. you're you're getting she is suffocating. You're you're watching a person suffocate. She's got her head out the window to like get to, more to air. get more air, and uh, and he's going eighty miles an hour down this freeway and a telephone. Oh 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 oh, a possum is dead on the road or something like that, mm-hmm. or walking down the road. Yeah, and he swerves to miss it, and he swerves to. To the side of the road uh, that they're closest to, and her head pops off uh, when they hit it. She when it comes in contact with the telephone pole. And uh, what does it sound like? It sounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it should be noted that she's she makes this weird clicking sound that just adds to 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 my argument. Really, I mean, she's constantly doing this, which I read. Uh, the actress who played Charlie, Millie Shapiro, um, really kind of did her homework on this character, you know, like did her due diligence Mm -hmm. and made this character what, what it was, uh, a a testament to, you know, even though she's very young being just an incredibly talented actress. Anyway, she added the, the click really yeah, um, on her own. And then it, it became such a thing that, you know. That they added that that it it became the tagline for the movie. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, it was it was entirely you know it became what this movie will be known for. Uh, you know, well, the, it's like a super super useful thing to use throughout the movie. Oh yeah, it, it became an integral yeah integral part of the movie to for continuity's sake. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great character thing like i think uh, going a little cinephile i think um akira kurosawa would give direction to his actors to have some kind of physical tick Mm -hmm. or maybe maybe it was the actor that that played in all the kurosawa movies anyways one of the things that they would do and you would see this throughout many of those movies is the character would have a particular tick, like a little like shoulder movement or something that would was just a nervous tick that identified them. So even without dialogue or hearing them, if you saw their silhouette, you could kind of understand who who is who. Yeah. And this is one of those just very convenient literal character ticks that is a great identifier throughout the movie. Yeah, even I- after she gets her head fucking knocked off by a telephone pole. Yes. Yeah, it comes back to haunt everyone. Right. And it's very effective at that because it's it's sinister. It even yeah. even when it's just done by an innocent little girl, it feels wrong, you know? You it, it would cause anyone pause. Right. <laughs> you go what the fuck what was that? Right. So 
this is like the first half of the movie is the family immediately dealing with the loss of Charlie. Yeah, consider this. Your son accidentally kills your daughter. And it's... Or is responsible for the death of your daughter. It's done so well. From that moment that her head is knocked off by a telephone pole to, like, the the next act of the movie, it is done so well because the way the son reacts is shocking but also makes sense completely understandable right he just basically goes into shock and cannot confront what just happened he he drives home with her he with dr- her with her body sans head in the car he doesn't even go out and check he just goes sits there. to sleep he he goes home goes in and goes to sleep on the couch unless his mother discover the body in the morning oh like and, I'm getting chills just yeah. just thinking about this scene. This is the reason this movie is so effective at building dread is because it plays on your actual worst fears, your right. realistic worst fears for life. Not I'm afraid of the water, not that fear. It plays on the fear that your family will fall apart. It plays on the fear of losing a, a child. Yeah. Like the gr- and it shows you the grief, the unending, just horrible sadness. I'm ge- I'm tearing up thinking right. about it because that's the most intense right. thing that you could possibly have to go through. And this movie just slams it right into your lap and makes you deal with it and what makes you watch these people in their in their horrible grief and yeah. and oh man. So I read a a thing last night about hereditary. Um, an article was talking about how the Blu-ray release of this doesn't have a director commentary and, and everyone wants one because it's the director's first movie. That's crazy. It's, it's crazy good. And it's his first time out of the gate and there's no commentary on, on the DVD. Um, but apparently he did do an interview with another podcast. Um, I probably should have looked up. Or it was, but he did an interview where he kind of talked about his process, and he overprepared, which is readily apparent yeah. in this movie. But a- apparently, when he was writing this movie, he's, he wrote and directed it. When he was writing it, he wrote it to be a drama, and it turned into a horror movie. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense, because that's exactly what happens in the movie, is it starts out as a drama with a slight setup for a possible future horror stuff yeah. to happen with the grandmother's funeral, but it's definitely a drama. And then eventually it switches gears into, okay, Full we're going, we're going from, yeah, we're going from family dealing with grief to something ain't right. And it happens so naturally. It right. happens. The, it seems like the only way it could happen. Right. But if it, <laughs> If the supernatural were real, this is how this shit would go down, and that's what makes it so horrifying. It, yeah. It, uh, so so one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, with this was, so, like, one viewing of this movie is, is not enough. I could go back and watch this over and over again. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised that the second viewing, it's just as enjoyable. I think we waited the perfect amount of time between it because it was still, it felt, like I, I had lost some some information, but was able to to see it anew, but also gain more yeah. information from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this th- one of the things um, upon second viewing of this movie 
that I I made it a point to watch for because I felt it in the in the first viewing, and I got glimpses of it, but I just didn't. It, it didn't know what to look for, and as it turns out, everything look for everything. Right. Like there's every part of this movie is intentional. Yeah. Every every pan that the that the camera takes is for a reason. Everything they show you is carefully laid out for a purpose. So there are a lot of visual cues. Um, and I would imagine if I went through this and watched it like five times, I would, I would find little, um, yeah. Easter egg stuff throughout. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, and, you know, I was thinking about it as I was writing the, the, the review, um, that's going to accompany this podcast on our website horrormovietalk.com. Um, I was thinking about it and I, I was thinking, wow, this would make a killer book. And then I started going, you know what? Yeah, it would make a killer book because it's just a fantastic story. Yeah. So any good story is going to make a good book. But this story is so clearly crafted specifically to be a movie. Right. That it is a better movie than it that this would the movie would be better because yeah, Tony Collette's scream alone upon discovering oh. that her daughter is dead. Just that screaming mourning oh. um, brutal cannot be recreated in literature (laughs) it can only be in a movie and all the visual cues right you know there are there are little pans of the camera that go to show um so there's cult one of the one of the themes or the the, or the visual cues that that is prevalent throughout the entire movie are these cult symbols Mm -hmm. of payment uh who is payment is a like a lieutenant of hell like one of the demons anointed by satan right to you know lead and this the is armies. only revealed in like the last <laughs> 10 minutes of the movie well but it's like slowly unfolded throughout right right so yeah th- just to attach it really quick so the daughter dies and then spooky stuff starts happening especially to the son and tony collette um befriends uh, someone at a grief group uh turns out she goes to, to like to grievers have, anonymous yeah to be to have ulterior motives is kind of setting her up to conduct the seance to where she reconnects with Charlie. And then stuff really starts taking off um, supernaturally. And the sun is very, very haunted. And it drives, slowly drives everyone insane. And then the ending is basically everyone's dead except the sun. And then it's revealed that this cult of Satanists we're pulling the strings all along, and the sun was be a vessel for this demon. Every action that happens to this family, every bad thing, every good thing that happens to this family was carefully orchestrated by an outside force, a cult. Or the demon itself. Or the demon itself. And Payman is, it just briefly touched on it, the demon of, like, mischief or something Joking. like that. Joking. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, mischief. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and, kind of Loki the demon. Right. Yeah, it's and and so the movie gives you hints that that everything is is meant to be is meant to happen here and there on the telephone pole that they drive by as they're going to the party, to the party. There the camera pans over a little bit and shows on the telephone pole that the symbol of payment. And uh, but it's just not long enough for you to 
really, you just, you know, you see, oh, it's on her necklace. Like it's on Tony Collette's necklace. What is that at the start of the movie? So you're like, oh, well, the camera lingered on that a little bit. That yeah. must be important. And then it's on the telephone pole. And then it's in Joni's house. It's in the the house of the um, the woman who is pretending to be grieving with Tony Collette right. over her lost uh, daughter. It's so this symbol shows up throughout the movie as like an indicator for this is where something significant happens to this family. Right. And it does every time, obviously. Um, another another uh, interesting kind of like theme of this movie was the miniatures that Tony Collette makes. Um, her job is building these basically panoramas, right? Yeah, these miniature sets, these vignettes, and she's an artist, and that's her. She gets her commissioned. Yeah. yeah, she gets commissioned by people to make, you know, and it's autobiographical, right? Yes. So, so her her work is, you know, making model houses or model buildings. I would assume for uh, architectural purposes. I, there are also artistic purposes behind it. I'm assuming she she just does. No, I think she was literally. She's an artist that does this. Oh, okay. That's that's what it was. Because the the only the only thing we see, and there's a little pressure in the movie about they need to make money off of all this work that she's been working on for months and months and months. Right, a collection. And they just barely like the studio called her and was like, hey. Sorry, your mom died. Yeah, but we our hearts go out. Uh, do you have any idea when the show is going to happen? Is that still going to work at this date? And so there's a little pressure built into, like, while Tony Collette's dealing with all this, all this grief, she's also got to finish the show and finish these miniatures, and it is. I can't imagine a more painful experience because she's documenting what's happening and how she's feeling through these miniatures. So it's not just buildings. It's the figures of her and her family and little vignettes of, you know, grandma standing in the doorway creepily. <laughs> and to the point where she even creates a a vignette of Charlie's head knocked off next to this telephone pole, this miniature telephone pole with the car. And... Her husband's like, what the fuck? <laughs> this isn't appropriate, yeah. Tony Collette. Don't and she's like, it's it's a non... What did she, what did she say? It's a... It's a neutral perspective. Yeah, this is a neutral perspective. No, you're missing... Yes, yes, absolutely. But it, it's she's trying to, like, compartmentalize everything through this, through her art. But it's obvious the feelings and the narrative that are being told through what she chooses to create. Right. So, yeah, that telephone, having her daughter's head knocked off next to a telephone pole is like, yeah, most people wouldn't choose that scene. Right. Choose anything other than that. Yeah. But that's that's how she's dealing with her. No, my, uh, my intent was someone with this very specific skill set of creating miniatures, they probably do work as, you know, and right. they probably create architectural stuff as well. This is just sure. w what she's doing at, at the moment. But anyway, this theme of showing of her doing these miniatures throughout the movie, like it adds a weird sort of weight to every scene, you know, because it's like there's something unnerving about right. About looking at an accurate representation of bleak, disturbing images. Right. 
And as an art form, like I get why someone commissioned her to do this. This is a very believable premise right. because I would, I would walk through this, this woman's life. That's basically what this movie is. It's, it's, it's looking at her life, a series of scenes of basically the end of her and her family's life. And it's haunting. Right. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and it kind of describes some of the, some of the scenes, scenes throughout the movie of, you know, with the, there's a lot of <clears throat> the story of her relationship with her grandma or with her mom told through these miniatures. Yeah. And that's where it's revealed that the grandma is really overstepping bounds and inserting herself into their lives. Literally. There's a vignette in miniature form of the, of the mother, the grandma trying to breastfeed. Yeah, the scene the is babies. the scene is Tony Collette in the hospital. Well, it's a miniature of Tony Collette in the hospital with her son, who is an, a newborn. She just had him, and her mother is standing there in a nightgown next to the bed with her breast out, right. offering it to this child. Yeah. And it's very obviously inappropriate, right? Awkward, and created a rift between yeah her and her mom or made it just grow larger yeah and then it shows just the the scenes of you know tony colette caring for her mother and her dying in the hospital to which you're kind of understanding okay this is a very strained relationship and how do you deal with the death of someone that you really didn't like being around <laughs> in the first yeah. place yeah and so it's it's good it's deep stuff i mean all that that first half of the movie is alone is a great movie yeah and and there's no implication that i mean yes it feels wrong but it's not i didn't think at this point that it was a horror movie right i thought it was a sad tragic sad thing and right. it was but and there's also, definitely a lot of dread throughout yes yeah um, the final, this final significant uh, visual cue were like just just the, sh the all the shots in this movie. It's very intentional. The, it opens on the treehouse. It closes on the treehouse. It's all, it's all got intent behind it. The other big part that I loved about the movie was the character of uh, was it Joni, Jeannie, Joni? Yeah, Joni or Joan. Joan. Um, that is basically. To me, the best part about this movie is it takes the best part of a lot of movies in the horror genre and puts them in one movie really, really well. Yeah. And the character of Joni is basically stolen whole cloth from Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. It's the, the neighbor character that concerned. is all up in your business and concerned and very outgoing and steps a little over the line just to get you to do kind of what they want. And you just go along because, all right, I don't want to be rude. And, you know, I'm, I'm feeling weird. Might as well do it. I am. Yeah. I, she's taking so she, advantage of your uh, of your weakened state. Right. So she meets Joni. Like a spider. Yeah. She meets Joni at this grief counseling group. And she inserts her herself into Tony Collette's grieving process and very quickly... Um, presents the idea that, hey, I was shown how to do a seance and it really helped me with my grief. I really, really want to show you. No, I really want to show you. Come with me. Please. We're going to do this. And so she shows 
Tony Collette the experience of the seance and you know um yeah it was great I mean it was it was a great example of a seance scene in a horror movie very effective Tony Collette freaks the fuck out and gets the fuck out and then later is like oh, maybe I should she's like I try. oh yeah and before like, before she goes like Joni shoves in her hand just say these words just here, say these words here's and get some your whole instructions the, here's yeah. how here's the instructions that i was given go ahead and summon your own daughter i you know, know if you just want to talk to her i something. know i know you're freaking out and you're like panic having a panic attack in my room but really take these words and and go say it so you can connect with charlie again go say it with your family make sure they're all there yeah make sure they're all in the in the room is that what it was all yeah. in the house on the house. So, yeah, so then she does that. She does a seance, and that's when all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, yeah, that character is, is so great. Yeah, she's, she's and a spectacular. reveals that she's, like, the high priestess of the satanic cult. You yeah. Know? And all these pictures of her grandma and these satanic rituals, all of a sudden, Joni's all over that and is one of her grandma, one of her mom's greatest friends. And she just never knew. Like, wow, a lot of this could be avoided if you just showed a little bit of interest in your mom. Yeah, but her mom was unbearable. Right. I get it. Um, uh, not that my... I'm not saying my mom's unbearable. I'm just saying I, I get the desire to not, you know... Yeah, that's... I can't, I can't be... I can't like, be bothered with... Oh, God. it's She's just unbearable. She's so overbearing. That's one of the greatest themes is the relatability of having someone in your life that trying to insert themselves in ways that you don't want them to and exhausting you yeah and you feel you in real life it's just this is inappropriate i just have to put a stop to this this creates more stress for me and in a horror movie it's this is inappropriate creates more stress oh wait they have ulterior motives and this is very sinister yeah so so both Joni the character and her mom are that character of trying to insert themselves overstepping bounds and you know being nice socially dictates that you can't just tell them to get out of your life and stop doing that you just like kind of like put up boundaries and it's brilliant cover. and then and then it's oh no it's sinister they're trying to take over this family it's a you know? brilliant cover you know because you're just annoying yeah. your scene is just annoying and and there is nothing more easy to to uh dismiss than someone who is annoying you know, it's yeah. just, oh, get out of here, Ugh, you. But they're like, no, no, come on, come on, no, no, come on. I'm happy. I'm here to help. I'm he- I want to help you. Let's, I know what's best. Come on, let's just do the thing that I want to do. But in reality, what they want to do is turn your son into a demon. <laughs> a demon prince. For, a demon prince from hell. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah. Um. Uh, let me think here. I had a, a question for the audience. Um, I, one thing about this movie that I noticed this is upon the second watch was I empathize with every major character in this movie at every point in this movie. Yeah. The, the poor dad. Yeah. That poor man. Like he just wants things to be normal. And oh my God, I lost my daughter. And now my wife is at odds with my son. And I just want things to go back to normal. That poor man, the the son, who who unbelievable guilt. It didn't want it. He wanted. He loved his sister. He he didn't want her to die. He accidentally killed his sister. Kind of. Yeah. It, the mom, 
like you can empathize with all of them simultaneously through every portion of the movie. Right. Um, so my question is, who did you relate to most in the audience? So for the audience, who, who did you relate to most? For me, it was the son because I just remember that feeling of like, oh, shit. Like uh, as, as a young kid or a teenager, just being like, I've rung a bell that can't be unrung. I, maybe I said something that was just unforgivable or I found something out. Now my innocence is gone. A part of my innocence is gone or something like that. That feeling of, oh, what have I done? Yeah. I felt very strongly connected to that. What about you? Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think I, I went along with the, the son most because it's a lot of it's told through his eyes and a lot of the stuff that happens that's completely, I mean, he's the most, he's, he's the most innocent person in the movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he has no real fault. I mean, everything that happened that's a tragedy attached to him is either an accident or it's done to him. Right. He has the vice of smoking um, marijuana, right? Yeah, sure. I, it's not, it's, it's certainly not, I mean, it's definitely, it's a normal behavior. For, right. He was being kind of a dick to his sister and leaving her alone and he set up the situation. Th- where yeah, but there's, there's nothing, there's but, nothing that's unforgivable. Yeah. Like it's all just normal kid stuff. Right. So the, oh yeah, I mean, a big part that we glossed over, like a big backstory. And this is, this is what one of those touches that takes it from being a good movie to being a great movie of just adding a layer that didn't need to be there, but just makes it better is the backstory of Tony Collette's character is she sleepwalks and one time she sleepwalked and woke up and found out that she had doused her son in kerosene and was holding a match. And so <laughs> herself and her son covered in kerosene, yeah. she's holding a match and they're both like, what? at that point she wakes up from her, her right. sleepwalking. And so there's this, the big weight over what was that all about? Was that intentional? Is and she the, lying about being sleepwalking? She glosses over it. She's the person who tells you about it. She glosses over it and the movie kind of glosses over right. it. Right. And it's, and we glossed over <laughs> it. And so it, it added such a layer of. Because that's one of the things missing in a lot of horror movies is when people, when weird stuff is happening to people and they tell other people about it, other people don't believe them, but they don't usually have a great reason for not believing them or even because sometimes they witness it too. So in this circumstance, they do a seance and weird shit happens and you would think, all right, the father would be like, wow, this is intense. Something weird is happening here. But in this movie, it's like, I'm tired of this shit, you know? Yeah. Because there's this background of enough. My wife is, my wife is crazy and I'm not sure what depths she would go to, to change our mind or whatever. So it's, so that's great. So, uh, so him, like he's, he literally experienced his mother almost murdering him by accident. He experienced uh, directly contributing to the accidental death of his of his sister, and then all of a sudden, 
all this demon energy is trying to take over him and trying to control his body and to kill himself and stuff. And then at the end, his whole family's dead and he becomes the, he becomes Payman. Yeah. Or rather, what? Payman inhabits his body. Well, actually, it's Charlie inhabiting his body, which is Payman. What? I'm not, because when, when he wakes up, they say, and they crowned him, Charlie? like, don't worry, Charlie, I know you're confused. And so, oh. <laughs> so it's like, all right, so is Charlie Weird. the one haunting him, or was Charlie from a young age? Oh, yeah, that so, was the other thing so, that I talked about, is that Payman wanted wanted a, a male body, but um, unfortunately, all he could get was Charlie, and so... I just realized something that I hadn't... Maybe you maybe you knew this the whole time. So, the, so yeah, the reason the grandmother was so covetous of, you know, and offering her, her breast to... Um, to the 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 first the first grandchild was he was a male, uh-huh. right? She wanted to get her hooks into him. Uh-huh. It was even said, right? And so she wanted to put payment. I don't know how she had payment, like <clears throat> what vessel she was going to use to deliver uh-huh. uh, payment into the the first child who was the son, but she didn't get to. And right, and it was Tony said, Collette's character yeah. talks about how she really set up boundaries and completely separated her mother from from the firstborn. From the firstborn, but she but she said she got her hooks into Charlie, mm-hmm. and so the mother put payment into Charlie as like a storage vessel, right? To, uh, to until we could orchestrate moving him, moving payment into my other grandson, my other grandchild, yeah. Or yeah, I mean it's it's that's crazy. There's a lot left to. I didn't even re- I didn't think I'd learn any more, but I just yeah. kind of learned more just now. She, she she was a holdover, right? It wasn't like it or, wasn't like she was born with payment in her. It wasn't like it, and and the no, name hereditary, it, you know? Yeah, it might have been to me. What what I think happened was they groomed Charlie to be a vessel for payment or she was a vessel for payment so all the weird behavior was actually you know a demon or a demon working through her because it was pretty obvious that something's not right about her yeah and it's not just that grandma did a lot of weird things to her it's that something nefarious is influencing her um but it states that payment wants a male body so i think my theory is this whole thing was orchestrated by Payman. He could have just stayed in Charlie. He was already in there, but said, you know what? There's this boy. I want that one. And so orchestrated Charlie dying and getting inserted into yeah. uh, Peter. Why Why this family? Were they were they long lost ancestors of payment of? Uh... I think the what it shows when she's going through the information is that when she's going through when Tolly Colette's going through her mother's things. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you're going through your mother's things and find a bunch of you know satanic texts and and uh, handbooks on how to you know conjure up demons, yeah, just take note. You know, um, but yeah, she's looking stuff. through these these. Uh, these texts and it shows um whoever whoever uh facilitates the the uh, 
the conjuring of payment or whatever whoever whoever finds a body for payment will be showered with innumerable wealth uh-huh. and so it's shown like a little illustration of a guy on just a mountain of gold um and then in one of the pictures of oh. the mother um, at one of the satanic rituals, it shows all the other participants showering her with gold coins, and she is just having the time of her life. So I think she volunteered her family to be the the son or the daughter to be the vessel for oh. for payment, and because of that, she was given a bunch of perks from this cult, and that's why everyone loved her and. She was known and famous, and yeah, you know, I, I didn't. I guess she didn't really do the math. It, it doesn't matter if you have a ton of money if you're dead, or if you're in hell. <laughs> you know, depending on your belief system. Like, I, if I'm in hell, I don't really care if I have a billion dollars. I hell. don't. I don't understand the. I mean, I understand it as a as a um, as a storytelling tool. The the love of the greed, the love of money, but I can't imagine you know being the grandma and having people like you know shower me with gold coins and being like wee wee <laughs> this is so much fun. She looked really happy in the picture. I know she did. Uh, I just don't like, and I know, but there are there must be people out there. Well, just think about. I mean, think about the crazy stuff your grandma does for religion. She's dead, Bryce. Well, I mean, did both of them? No. Okay, but well, well, the, I mean, the he, one or was really think religious. About, all right, whatever. Think about what old people do for religion. They love that stuff that they harms their family. Eat it up. Oh yeah, it's one of the main contributors of messed up families. Right. One of the big ones. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Uh, so. So, yeah, I would be interested to know uh, who in the audience felt, uh, you know, who who did you empathize with the most? Why? If you don't want to share too much, that's fine. I'm just interested to know, you know. Yeah. Because they're all very understandable. One of the things I'm interested in is who didn't like this movie? Because I've I've gone on Reddit and there's haters of Hereditary just saying, oh, it's so it's so overblown. Like, there's been so much hype about it. And I'm like, how can you? How can you like horror movies and not like this movie? My wife... I just don't understand. My wife liked the movie fine. She liked it fine. After watching it, she was like, yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was really good. And then, like, I talked to her this week about it, and she was kind of like, I mean, you know, it's a movie. And I was like, wow. But things don't... I, I think she doesn't... It's a much more... Like, she's just... Yeah, but there's people that really didn't like this movie. Yeah, that's that's hard for me to believe. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it just. I think. I think it. They, here's a here's a theory. It's so uncomfortable to watch. It, it, this movie is discomfort. The movie, and uh, and if if you don't like, con- <clears throat> excuse me, if you don't like confronting like the worst fears, real life fears that you could ever. Imagine this would be not a great time for you. Right. So that could be, it could just be that kind of like coming out of them and them, you you know, saying this movie sucks because it made them feel so uncomfortable. I don't know. Let I think me- maybe, 
might be people that like horror movies for shock, shock, or, or the jump scare, boy, or, is this or shocking, something like that. Though. It is shocking. Like this it's, is shocking. it's the most dreadful movie I've seen in recent history. I think people might. I mean, people might complain that it's slow or boring, but then you just must not have much empathy for what these characters are going through yeah. because there's a lot of intense stuff happening before anything supernatural happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to, uh, I think that's, I think that that wraps up our spoiler. That, that was a very long talk about this movie. I think it deserved it. Um, let's move on to tagline. <laughs> Tagline. <laughs> that makes me laugh every time I hear. <laughs> uh, okay, you want to go first, or should I? Oh, so I should say for those of you who aren't familiar with this uh, this bit, taglines is just a, a part of the show where we come up with funny. Uh, usually funny taglines for for the movies, or at least try to. They're train wrecks a lot of the time, which is kind of fun to yeah. watch. Everybody likes but it. But either way, we think they're better suited to the movie than, than the tagline than the it tagline came, came with. Yeah. Maybe we should read what the actual tagline is. Before oh, this. that would be a good idea. Well, that'd be hard because there's like 30 taglines for every yeah. movie. All right, let's not do that. Right. Okay, Hereditary. Bo Burnham's 8th Grade Part 2. <laughs> I get it because I've seen eighth grade and it was almost as uncomfortable as hereditary. It was maybe also the girl's probably in eighth grade. It wasn't that age. Yeah. She's about that. It wasn't, it wasn't as eighth grade was not dreadful, but it was, oh man, it was uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I like that one. What was it again? Bo Burnham's eighth grade part two. Uh, okay, here's one I got. Hereditary. Like Muriel's wedding, but with 100% more payment. <laughs> uh, okay, Hereditary. What's wrong with her face? <laughs> what? Uh-oh. It's got a weird face. What was that from, though? Uh, I stole that from Red Letter Media. But oh. Just in general. Okay. Um, the bad ending to Little Miss Sunshine. Because because it's the same family basically, little girl, yeah, quirky, centered around to got Tony Collette, right? <laughs> also, it's got the dad who can't do anything right. <laughs> Dude, I'm a stupid dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hereditary. I that, mean, that probably is the tag. Yeah, that. I mean, if it's not, it should be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Treehouse of Horror twenty nine case of the headless family everybody in this family got they got their head cut right. off with yeah. the exception of the males all the women did the yeah. grand the grandmother the mom the daughter no heads yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay i gotta sell this one hereditary i'm anson my eyes johnson this anson my eyes johnson's the movie i mean there's so many ants in my eyes and there's so much fright and scares the natural consequences of not paying attention to oh shoot i i went on 
I like it. I I'm I'm gonna allow a redo. Okay. Yeah. This let's is do a redo. Hereditary. I'm Anson My Eyes Johnson, and this is Anson My Eyes Johnson's the movie. I mean, there's so many Anson My Eyes, and there's so many frights and scares. Yay! I like that. A nod to the uh, to the Rick and Morty fans out there. Okay, this one uh, we may need to edit a little bit of my uh, of 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 this one. Okay, just because I got to get into this. There's a flow to this. Okay, so I gotta yeah. I gotta also say that. We didn't. We just totally glossed over the the most horrifying shot of the movie is all the ants covering Charlie's. Head. Well, that's definitely one of the most horrifying. Yeah. I, there's another one that's pretty. Whew. Well, yeah, and the. Okay, all right, all right. I don't want to think about. Okay. This is okay. Payment gonna get in your way, man. We gonna shit on your day, man. Get ready, get ready for pay, man. I've been listening to that new Eminem album. I can't. I couldn't. I couldn't get the the flows out mm. of my out of my head. All right, had to get it out in the form of a Paymon rap. Okay. All right, Hereditary: The Natural Consequences of Not Paying Attention to Grandma's Photo Albums. <laughs> That's good. She she tried to show them to you over and over again. You just weren't interested. Like, okay, Grandma. Yeah, that's a nice picture. She oh, wanted well, to let you, into, you with gold. Yeah, okay. She wanted to let you into her life. Yeah, her into her satanic ritual cult. Right. But you wouldn't have it. Mm. Oh no. That's all I got. I don't have any more. I got one more. Hereditary. It'll blow your head right off. <laughs> <laughs> So let me see here. The other, the um, I should speak into the mic when I'm talking. The other part of this movie, I should say, the other part of this podcast um, is a. It was pre-recorded. I spoke with Aaron uh, Bryce's wife, who definitely hates horror movies big time, (laughs) avoids them at all cost. To give some perspective, try I I try to get my wife to watch good horror movies so much and at most the scariest movie that we have watched together is probably interview with a vampire and maybe like one or two other movies that could be even classified as horror movies that they're they're pretty pathetic yeah i mean like everything everything that i can get her to watch is kind of uh orbiting horror it isn't a true like scary movie because she hates that feeling she hates the feeling of dread i like the idea of this bit so much because i find people it's so interesting to me people who don't like horror movies yeah we gotta we gotta get a name for this bit of yeah one-on-one with a non-horror movie fan or something mike i've mentioned this before i think my cousin is was physically had a physical reaction when i told her oh a buddy and I were we're doing a horror movie podcast. She's like, "Why? Why would you do that? No, 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 no!" You know, she was she will get up and walk out of the house and drive away if anything. If if she feels as though a horror esque thing, a spooky thing, is being perpetrated upon her, one of the planet of the uh, planet of the apes was almost too much for her. <laughs> <laughs> she was like i wow. can't handle this level of realism i'm like they're apes and they're talking and she's like i gotta go <laughs> so i would love oh, to get people man. like that 
in to watch movies with us. I think it's very interesting. Let us know what you think. Here is the clip of uh, of me and Aaron discussing Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Are we going? So, Aaron, uh, you're not a fan of horror movies. No. Not at all? <laughs> uh, no. I I mean, I've seen a few. What what, what have you seen? Okay. Um, the Omen. And... Uh, I, that goes back to the... Yeah, Interview with a Vampire. It kind of goes back to the... What is a horror movie versus a thriller or suspense sure and there there are some thrillers or suspense that i would consider horror movies just because they scared me a lot (laughs) how did the interview with a vampire strike you um was it terribly stressful i don't remember i don't remember it being stressful most i think mostly because it was built up in the um probably the public consciousness of yeah you know pop culture yeah. So I was, and it's a whole bunch of famous people. So I really, it really pulled me out of, yeah, you know, the sure. story, the suspension of disbelief. What is it? What is it about horror that that really just make makes you so adverse to it? Oh, uh, the dread. You <laughs> like don't like the suspense, the build. Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't like the feeling of being scared. <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> and they scare me. Those movies scare me. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's definitely, I mean, I think that's how everybody starts out watching horror movies. I think the difference between people who who end up really enjoying horror movies and the people who don't is there's like this morbid curiosity that eventually works its way into, I mean, the end game is just being totally dead to anything <laughs> to, to anything disturbing or or upsetting and it's like it's like you you needed you need something more to to like to to get to get you off on your horror movie thing you need to get your fix yeah. by watching more and more terrifying things yeah okay so with that being said i can, I can i can see that like because as someone who appreciates and loves period films <laughs> the more period a film can be the better <laughs> oh damn that was so that was so 1866 right there <laughs> you could tell it wasn't 62 there was like no anachronisms in there at right all. Yeah. so with that being said um for someone who doesn't like horror movies in my opinion you came into like like it took it took some doing to get you to watch hereditary with us but in but you to t- for me bang for my buck hereditary is top tier like it is one of the best at building dread at, b- at building suspense it's it's got stuff that's just very uh tremendously upsetting within it and and you actually sat down and watched it with us so my my question is, how, did you like it? <laughs> uh, I appreciated it. You did? I, I, yeah, I mean, it's very high quality. Like, it's not a slasher. It's not like, it's not, you know, B-movie quality. It's, it is 
you know, top tier movie quality. It's really good. Great acting in it. But I it's I don't know. It's the, it goes back to the feeling of dread being a little overwhelming for me. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, bravo on on sitting through it, because like I said, I think has the most the most dread. Uh, I mean, aside from. Well, I'll have to think about what, what other movies affected me the same way Hereditary did. But, um, you know, like you said, there's no jump scares. I'm sure you probably appreciated that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was that was nice not to have jumps. I mean, not to say that there weren't things that were um, much worse. frightening or surprising. I <laughs> yeah. mean, uh, there were definitely surprising moments, but no, like, jump scares with the screeching violins or the scratching a metal bar against something else. But, um I, I, there were times when I was watching it that uh, made me just recall the feeling that I had when I was watching. We need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and, like as as far as movies like sticking with you go, that one pops into my head like probably every few weeks or so. And it was years ago since I've seen it. I watched that movie and I can't really recall much about it. It's the. It was he was like he was like a down on his luck. Oh, maybe I'm... Oh, no, I'm thinking of um, no. something else. This was a kid who was disturbed, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was... Yeah. From, yeah, he... Like and birth, Yeah, and he, he, like, learned early on how to gaslight his mother, like, as an infant. <laughs> so, and, I mean, Tilda Swinton, you know, delivered an amazing performance. And it was, I mean, it's great great film that I never want to see again because of the feeling of it. And I can, same way with, um, with hereditary, like it's, it's like, I, I get it. I see the value of it. I, this is good quality stuff, but Holy crap, it was scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really was. Um, what parts of this movie stand out to you? Oh geez. The seances like, Oh man. Especially the second one with the family. Oh yeah. Like that's... I, there are only a few times in my life that I can say that I've felt like chills running down my spine or like full body chills from um like fear or creepiness. And yeah. I I had one of those moments during that second seance when the glass moved and just nope and the kids crying and screaming and like stop, stop and oh no. The, I just got chills again thinking the, about it. <laughs> I, I did too. The movie has it has an extra it has something extra in its back pocket which is it really builds the relationship of this family up it like builds the history it it alludes to certain things and then and then it creates this incredible tension within this very small family that just became smaller by one and it just yeah, it has the ability. It just did that over and over again. Just mess messes with you. Yeah, and you definitely connect with every character. Every that, single one. Yeah, you, you have even the one that turns out being like super evil. Like you, you really connect with every single one. You can like see what's going on and really kind of feel the feelings. That's great acting, great directing, yeah. great writing. So I I can appreciate all that stuff. 
I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Cause, you oh know, it's, you should. I'm just <laughs> saying you should because I know for a fact that you missed a bunch of things. Because, for example, there was one part where there was something vi- visible in the screen for a long, on, on in frame for a long time. And you, this is not a critique of you, it's just an observation. You're a fairly vocal horror movie watcher. You you let it be known when you're like, like, oh, shit, he's got a knife kind of thing, you know? So uh-huh. if you had seen this, you would have leapt out of your chair, but you didn't. And, and there's other things that I noticed that you didn't notice. And, uh, well, maybe if you're not into being scared, it's not a thing for you, but... <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I appreciate the craft. Like, I, the movie-making craft is very high in that, in Hereditary. It's great. And I, I, um, I looked up the little girl, like, yeah. the actress. Mm-hmm. She's, like, legit Broadway star. Yeah. And, like, she played Matilda. She has a Grammy for the original cast recording of Matilda on Broadway. So, I mean, that kid has... It was obvious in the movie she has talent, but it's impressive. Has, like, it's impressive when uh, when an actor or actress can play someone who has a mental disability and pull it off so well that you go, "Where were they? <laughs> like, is it? Yeah, I don't. Was it a mental disability or would you? I think I'd probably classify it as like a social disability, it, even though we find out what the I problem mean, is. So like, she she it it seemed as if she had a cleft lip or a cleft palate. Something, something to that extent, not to no. I mean, to, I, that's that was. It seemed to me how the the makeup on her was intended, and she definitely was was not firing on all cylinders as a as a character, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, she didn't she didn't seem mentally deficient to me. It was it was more of like a social thing, and and the way that. Um, she interacted with everyone just really seemed like she was uh, just not connecting. I mean, going back to that's why it reminded me of we need to talk about Kevin, because in that movie, the mother keeps trying over and over and over to connect with her son. And it just isn't happening. And everyone else seems to think things are fine. Um, In this one, no one seems to think things are fine. Yeah. And, um, but you still have like all that kind of empathy for what this family's going through. Like you can't tell if the trauma with the girl is just because the grandma passed away or if there's something else going on, which you can kind of tell there's oh, something I, else going on. I can tell there's something going on. Something else. It's not just grandma, but, but going back, but to you w- could like, you could talk yourself out of thinking that something else is going on, going on because of the way it's right. acted. Yeah. Like you could think, okay, well maybe they're just leading me down that path and i'm not really supposed to right. think that right 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 but no it turns out yeah <laughs> going back to to what you said about how you can empathize with every character that was that was one of the things that i wrote down in my notes on this movie i i could see the point of view of every person simultaneously the whole way through this movie i could see the point of view of the 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 brother of the mom, the dad, certainly. I, you could see, you. it was brilliant because, and the only people whose point of view you couldn't actually see were the people who were being, they were not being honest with the other characters. So like Joni, 
right? You thought you could see her point of view, which is I'm going to help you connect with with your your dead daughter, but that wasn't her actual intent. You couldn't see, really see her point of view. Her point of view was let's bring like the twelfth god of 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 hell to to earth or whatever it was, right? Yeah, make you think twice about your friendly neighbors. Huh? But you were suspicious of her. It seemed almost right off the bat. Oh yeah. Why? Because she didn't match any of the other characters in the movie. Like she, she was a completely positive person, and I mean, everyone else is like at least realistic about. It. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the kids around the girl at school, the kids around the boy at school, everyone was more realistic, and she was just like la 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 la, and she even she even um, she when she told. Um, Annie that she's like I went to a medium it was so wonderful and then she brought her back to her own house and started running the seance I was like hold on yeah you said you went to a medium how of how are you doing this yourself now like what's I mean within the context of the movie it makes sense but still it was it was like hold on you're not being forthcoming about something yeah absolutely it starts to become more and more evident, you know, as as you get to know Joan uh, throughout the movie. But I think that you were so be so vigilant and so <laughs> you were so distrusting of every part of this movie because you were like, is that accurate? Yeah, because I d- I didn't want to watch it. You did you? <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to be scared. You I didn't did not watch it. Want to be have the wool pulled over your eyes for one second right. and for me like i didn't even know this movie was a horror movie when i walked into the movie theater bryce was just like you want to see this movie and i was like ah, i don't know i've i've heard it has some di- yeah i've heard it's a drama that has some disturbing you know imagery and stuff like that and uh and and has some you know like real heavy stuff that you got to deal with so i i don't know so for me i didn't I didn't have like my guard up at all. And I normally don't in horror movies, to be honest with you. Like I have it up a little bit, but nothing like what you had going on. (laughs) You were suspicious of every single thing that took place in that movie. Oh yeah. 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 That's a, probably a fight or flight response. (laughs) I can see, I can see it not being enjoyable to that. If if that were the case, I wouldn't want to walk. If I, the eighth grade was that way for me. Uh, what was that Bo Burnham Uh yeah interesting that you'd bring that movie up because on the way home from watching Hereditary I was talking with Bryce about this that like this is two movies in the last month or so that I've seen starring 13 year old girls yeah and and these 13 year old actresses that aren't like cheerleaders they're not the um the most beautiful girl in the room. They're not the most charismatic girl in the room. These are like kind of normal looking girls that yeah. are in the middle of puberty. Yeah. Which is the crappiest time to have a movie made starring you because then it's on film forever. So I just, I, I thought it was really neat because, you know, I was a 13 year old awkward girl once. And so seeing these like real 13 year old girls, I mean, obviously not. A possessed one but like i mean like real actors like looking like real girls not you know 17 year olds trying to play down to 13 that were yeah you know what i mean so yeah I, it was it was pretty cool like i do you don't ever see that hardly ever in 
in mainstream films other than, you know, Disney Channel stuff. But, sure. And even then, those are like the pretty popular, charismatic child actors. Yeah. You know, with a capital C-A. Yeah. Eighth grade was a panic attack for me. Like that movie was had my guard up the whole time. So that was like your horror. Oh my movie. god that I that movie was so <laughs> uncomfortable. He did such a good job making an a, 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 a yeah in a, a a perfect representation of what it was like in eighth grade. But anyway, um, I, I gotta say uh, you were an excellent sport. Uh, for for going and, and watching Hereditary with us, and I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, all right, well, hey, thank you, everybody, for listening. Go see Hereditary if you haven't already. What are you doing? What are you doing? You can't sleep on this movie. This is a fabulous movie.